it's just like it wasn't a thing. All the Mexican Good evening. People. Hope all of you are doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Yevamo Staff Pei Gimel. And we're starting halfway down on Pei Beis and Beis. We'll be starting now a sugya, really continuing from the Mishnah about androgynous. Um, just a scientific overview that an androgynous is someone who is born with both male and female reproductive organs. And that, of course, poses a shaila. Uh, whereas the world around us may have different pshatim in what genders, we don't have any lack of clarity. Men are men, women are women. But if there is a person who's born with both genders, so what do we do about that? Our Mishnah says, it's not androgynous no say that he's allowed to marry. And that implies even lechadchila. Says the Gemara, maybe we should change the language, tani no im, im nasa, only if he married, that an androgynous could, could marry a, a woman. Says Gemara, it's only bidiyadu. I have a nosek Okay, but tachlis, the word doesn't say what you say it says. It says no say, which implies that one is allowed to marry a woman lechadchila if they're an androgynous. Well, the Tamech says the Gemara, what about, what about a little bit later in our Mishnah? My aval lo nisa, that they can't be proposed to by a man. Uh, so obviously that is... Uh, uh, that is not allowed. So it says the Gemara, Elamai Nisa Diabad, no say Nami Diabad. Both of them in this case should be Bidiyabad. Says the Gemara, Amri, that's not correct. Really, Lo, no say Zachatchila Mashma, Avaloni Sadiabad Nami Lo. That seems to be that in the Reisha, where we say that an androgynous, a person who has both sets of reproductive organs, that they're allowed to marry a woman, that's Zachatchila. And it seems to be that for a man to try and marry an androgynous, treating her in the in the role of a female, that is not the case. Uh, and that would be even Bidiyabad Nami. Says the Gemara, I want to make sure I understand all the sheets here. And the Gemara asks as follows five lines from the bottom on Pebez and Mubez. Rabbi Eliezer seems to be very clear in the safe of our Mishnah that if um, one were to have Tashmashamita with an androgynous, that he would be Chayev Skila Kizachar. It would be Chayev Skila if a man sleeps with an androgynous, because remember, he has both reproductive organs. So if they have Tash Meshamita, Derech Nakvus, and we'll get into some of the details today about what all of this is talking about. So Rabbi Eliezer says that person is Chayev Skila, meaning we have an understanding that an androgynous is a man. Michlal, what does that imply about the Tanakama? Michlal, the Tanakama, that our Tanakama, who says that androgynous no say, it seems to be that he's... He's not sure. So how could you say that they should get married? How can the Tanakama say that they get married if in fact there's an element of doubt? So says the Gemara, there really is no doubt. Bain Lamar, Bain Lamar, both according to the Tanakama and according to Rabbi Eliezer, Mishpat, Pshita Le, everybody knows that a, an androgynous is considered to be like a Zohar. The Machlokas here is about Tash in two different parts of the body. And the uh, Gemara is going to detail this a little bit later, but just to clarify right now, that for a man to be intimate with an androgynous, there are two options. One is the tzad nakvus, the female reproductive organs that, that the androgynous possesses. And the other is bia shalok kedarka, uh, which is tash mishamita me'achora. So that, those are the two options. So that, that, that's where this machlokas comes out between the Tanakam and Rabbi Eliezer. According to the Tanakama, we're of the opinion that if a man were to be intimate with an androgynous bitzad nakvus with the female reproductive organs, or shalokadarka de bichayev skila, Umar Sava Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion, no, that it's only kizachar, only tashmashamita shalokadarka. But if a man were to be intimate with an androgynous bitzad nakvus with the female reproductive organs, that would not be a chayev skila. It's asr, but it would not be a chayev skila. Now let's try and see. So it's this Gemara is what? okay. 
So the Gemara at the very bottom, last two words on Pebez Medbez says, Omar Rav, Rav says, We need to reject our Mishnah because of a Brisa. What did our Mishnah say? So Rashi helps us to fill in the gaps. Rashi on the top of the page, That's where we started our sukkah. That when an androgynous is married to a woman, that she is allowed to eat truma. But what is the brysa that seems to conflict with our Mishnah? That is um, a brysa that also quotes Rabbi Titania Rabbi Omer Androgonus, Beria Bifne Atzmahu, That's a, a mic drop of lack of clarity. We paskin that we don't know. We don't know what an androgynous is. So now we have two versions of Rabbi We have Rabbi in our Mishnah who indicates that if an androgynous would be married to a woman, she'd be allowed to eat shrum if the androgynous was a Kohen. And then we have this second version of Rav Yossi that seems to indicate that we have no idea what an androgynous is. So what does the top line say on our, on our page? Our Mishnah has to fall to the Brisa. Now, normally in Psak, we don't do that. Normally, a Mishnah is more powerful than a Brisa. Why over here are we doing this? Because the Gemara says... Um, uh, about the Brisa that uh, that we have this Rabbiosi that seems to be that there's a lack of clarity. Asks the Gemara uh, Adirabo. <laughs> That's nice that you brought a Brisa, but when it comes to Psak, Mishnayas should win. Adirabo, fourth line, Pegim Lamadala. We should have undone the Brisa and supported what the Mishnah said, namely, we should support our Mishnah that says that Androgynous can be Machilas Ishtabatruma and rejected the Brisa, which indicates the Rabbiosi was unclear. And to use his language, says the Gemara, it's a great idea. However, we see a deviation from our Mishnah to the Brisa. In our Mishnah, um, really, Rabbi Yossi was quoted alongside Rabbi Shimon. If you look back, you'll see it says Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, that they both hold. Says the Gemara, because in the Brisa, we see that Rabbi Yossi left his partner in crime. He left Rabbi Shimon alone. Therefore, that Rabbi Yossi must have changed his mind. And therefore, it must therefore be that the second version of Rabbi Yossi is correct. And therefore, our Mishnah is wrong and we follow the Brisa. But all of that is according to Rav. What is Rav Paskin? According to Rav, our Mishnah is wrong. And really, and when it comes to androgynous, we paskin halacha lamaisa the lohichriu bochachamim. We don't know. That's how we paskin. That's how Rav understands our sugya. However, five lines down, six lines down, Ushmuel Amar no. Lesa lebrisa mekame masnisen. Really, the brisa, which indicates that we don't know what an androgynous is, that's what we reject. And really, the Mishnah is correct that the Mishnah treats the uh, androgynous as a zachar lecholadeus. Says the Gemara, why? We know there are, that there are some shitas in the Tanaim where sometimes they always side with the singular machmer shita. So says the Gemara, Shmuel was like that also. And if that's true, then why wouldn't we say that the brisa of Rabbi Yossi is stronger than our Mishnah? After all, if Shmuel is going to hold of a das yachid, he should hold of Rabbi Yossi, who holds of as to what an androgynous is. And if we don't know what an androgynous is, then how can you say, like our Mishnah, how can you say that she's allowed to eat the truma when she's married to an androgynous? So says the Gemara, Hani Mili, when do we say that Shmuel is that's So Shmuel is very principled about his ideas of when he holds of a das yachid. Shmuel agrees to hold of a das yachid, a shita that's machmir, in a brisa, 
provided that it doesn't conflict with a Mishnah. But when there is a Mishnah, then even Shmuel's house policy that I always hold like the Machmer Das Yachid doesn't apply. The Mishnah is more powerful. So what that means is that we have a huge fundamental machlokas in regards to androgynous between Rav and Shmuel. Rav is of the opinion that Lemaisa, we don't know what an androgynous is. We have no idea. And therefore, no kulas. We have to do machmir and mekil everywhere, on all, cutting across all different halachos. We have to treat an androgynous as a pure suffix. Masha'en kein, Shmuel is going, uh, yeah, that's correct. Masha'en kein, Shmuel will side like our Mishnah that an androgynous is a zachar, the choldover. Huge difference of opinions between the two. Huge halachic implications as well, because if we in fact hold that an androgynous is a pure suffix, they can never marry. However, if we hold that an androgynous is a zachar, then he can marry a woman. And our Mishnah says she gets truma if he's a kohen. Huge nafkamin is the I don't know if androgyny is common. I don't know what the statistics are. I'm sure if it happens, it's exceedingly, exceedingly, exceedingly rare. Maybe a handful in the world, I would imagine. I don't know. The other case, tumtum, is more common. We're going to discuss that at the end of the day today. Uh, but that is what the, this chasm, huge machlokas is between Rav and Shmuel as to whether or not we say an androgynous is male. That would be what Shmuel would say. Or like Rav says, we just don't know. Okay, let's continue. The Gemara says a quarter of the way down on Pei Gimel Amad Aleph, Amre, Be Rav, Mishmei De Rav, Halacha Kirabiosi Ba'androgynous Ube Harkova. Rav says that the halacha is like Rabbi in two areas in regards to androgynous, which is the sugya that we just learned, that he holds that, uh, uh, that we don't know uh, what an androgynous is, and as well Beharkava when it comes to grafting two different types of trees. We'll discuss what that means in a minute. Ushmu Amar, that the halacha is like Rabbi Bekoshi Uvekidish, that we hold like him in regards to Koshi, which we're going to discuss in detail, which has to do with a woman who starts bleeding right before childbirth, and normally, had she bled during that time, she would have become a zava, but then she encountered childbirth. Do we view that as ziva blood, or do we view, view that as dam later? We'll discuss that case. Uvikidush, and in regards to uh, some, some concerns about, um, about kiloi hakerem with grains. So let's go through all of these cases, and we're going to start with Rav. When it comes to androgynous Hada Amran, we're going to follow, Rav says we follow Rabiosi Hada Amran, that's the brisa at the top of the page that we are of the opinion that the Brisa, that Rabiosi was Hadar Bey from the Mishnah, the Brisa is really his opinion. And Rav says that we hold like Rabiosi that Lohi Chachamim in regards to androgynous. What's the case of Harkava, of grafting two trees? This is common practice for botanists, for people who are making different types of fruits and oranges and apples and all the, so they'll take one apple tree and they'll graft, uh, they'll cut it on a slight angle and they'll tape them together, however they do it, and then it grows and has different flavored fruits. Very good. So that is not so simple when the two types of foods that you're grafting are not allowed to be grafted to one another. So what's that, Sugya? Harkava, how do we know that Rav holds like Rav Yossi in regards to grafting? It's not. The Mishnah writes, Ein noten, you're not allowed to plant. Ve'en mavrichen, you're not allowed to take mavrichen. We learned about this, is where you take a branch of a tree you run it underground and allow it to grow out of another place in the ground. So today we would have just said it's all the same tree, but the Gemara does distinguish. Bein Markiven, you're not allowed to graft. Erev Shviz, prior to a Shemitah year, Pachos Mishloshim Yom, Lifnei Rosh Hashanah. In the 30 days leading up to Rosh Hashanah, namely in the month of Elul, you're not allowed to do Netia, Bricha, or Harkava. You're not allowed to do this. That's what the Tanakhama holds. And what if you did this? Be'im Nota, 
If you did any of these three things, the halacha is Yaakor Rashi. Rashi over here is a third of the way down. Because when will it take root? It'll only take root after Rosh Hashanah. The Tanakama here in this Mishnah about Harkava is of the opinion that the rooting of these three things, of Natiya, of Mahavracha, uh, and of what was the third one, is Harkava, that these three things, they require 30 days to plant. However, Rabbi Huda disagrees. Rabbi Huda Omer, no. Kol Harkava she'ena koletis b'shlosha yomim shuvena koletis. Three days. Three days. Halacha Lamaisa, the post can speak about this. Let's say you own chickens, and the food that you want to feed them is seeds, that if you were just to throw them out, the ground would absorb them and they would grow something. So the post can discuss on Hilcho Shabbos, how much food are you allowed to put out for chickens that seed that might end up being planted? So the post can say three days because we're concerned about Shittas Rabbi Yehuda. We're concerned that maybe that, uh, that the seeds will be koltos or koletas within three days. So you have to make sure you don't give more than that amount of food. Anyways, Rabbi Yehuda is not our sugya for today, but he is the, the, we have now the Tanakama who says 30 days. Rabbi Yehuda holds three days. And now let's get to our case. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, Omrim, They say that the amount of time that it takes for seeds to take root is two weeks. Uh, uh, yeah, two Shabbos, yeah. According to the one who says that it takes 30 days to plant, we need to add a full set of 30 days. Why? Because just like we have Tosef is Shabbos, Tosef is Yontif, Tosef is Yom Kippur on beginning and on the beginning end and on the, the, the finalized end, on the finishing end of a, of, a, of a holiday. So we have the same thing here. So if we're concerned about 30 days, so we're not talking about El, we're talking about Av. You can't plant in the month of Av 60 days. The Dibre Omer Shlosha, according to Yehuda, who says that it takes three days for seeds to absorb. So then, Shlosha Ushlosha, then we need 33 days. The three days is the amount of time it takes for the food to absorb in the ground and to take root in the 30 days is the chumra for the tosefes. And the Dibri Omer Shabasas, according to Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon, who hold that it takes two weeks for things to root, then Sarach Teshabasos And this, these are the two cases that Rav holds like Rabbi Yossi and Droganus, like we said, in this case of Harkava, where we assume that it takes two weeks for foods to plant, and therefore Halacha Lamaisa within Rav, okay, we don't pass in like Rav necessarily, but Halacha Lamaisa within Rav, then it would be that uh, a person can only plant food up to two weeks before the month of Elul, because you need 30 days as a Tosefes, as a, as a Chumrah, and then adding in what you think is the normal amount of time for foods to be Koletes. So therefore, Rav is of the opinion that Rav Yossi and Rav Shimon hold that it is two weeks plus 30 days, so that's six weeks prior to Rosh Hashanah is the last time you can plant. We had said above at the top of the page that Ushmuel Amar Bekoshi Uvekidish, so for this, we need a little bit of thinking. What's koshi? So koshi is the blood that exists right before childbirth. It's not. Kama yehei kishuya. How long do we consider prior to birth that the blood that a woman sees is from Leda? So here's the background. Rashi discusses this. This is a very big machlokas rishonim between Rashi and the Rambam in regards to how we know when a woman sees blood, if that blood is menstrual blood or if the blood is damziva, this religious spiritual disease of becoming a zava. And here is how the Mephorshim, uh, how Rashi explains this. From the time uh, a young woman gets her period, those first seven days are days in which if she sees blood, she's a nida. The next 11 days, if she sees blood during those 11 days, the blood during those days is damziva. And then 7-11, 7-11, 7-11, until she has a baby. And then the count starts again 
after she gives birth. However, let's say that a woman was about to give birth. And in the 10, 11 days prior to giving birth, which were her yameziva, the days in which had she seen blood during those days, we would typically have treated her as a zava. But before she ended up becoming a zava gadola, she gave birth. So how far in the past do we say, no, the blood she saw during those 11 days of damziva were not damziva. She was about to have a baby. She was in her ninth month and she, her body was just preparing and the cervix was slightly opening. She saw some blood. She saw blood because she's about to have a baby. So when we see the blood, when she sees the blood during the 11 days of damziva, but those 11 days are juxtaposed to the birth of the baby, how far back in time do we say, yeah, that blood's not damziva, that blood is just damleva. That's a big machlok, as tanaim, six lines from the bottom. Rav Meir, Omer, O'ar, boy, mochamishim, yom, 40, 50 days. No, she's definitely not a zava, for sure not. She saw blood during the last 10 days before birth. Those 10 days happened to be days that had she seen blood, she'd be a zava, irrelevant, just irrelevant. She's pregnant. She's about to have a baby. The bleeding, we assume, is, uh, is from birth. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, daya chodasha, just for, for that particular month. And Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon Omrim, ein kishui yoser mishte shabasos. We don't assume that there will be blood as it relates to birth more than two weeks. So Shmuel says we paskin like this, Rabbi Yossi. Okay, what's the final case that, that uh, Shmuel says we hold like Rabiosi? That's the case of Kiddush. That's a case where we have, um, we have Kilayim growing. Okay, what's the case? Three lines from the bottom, that's none. A person runs a grapevine from the vines of their, of their grapevine, from a different part of the field, but the vines can get very long, and they run it so I take my vine, let's say this side of the stender is mine, and the other side of the stender is your field. I take my grapevines and I throw them out into your field over your grain, which is not allowed to be done. So says the Gemara that according to the Tanakama, I ruined, in this case, the word Kiddush is a bad version. It means it's sanctified in that it is now Kilayim, which means that if that's your grain, I ruined your grain. I made it Kilayim. And I am Chayv Bachrayuso because I didn't take responsibility for my vines. And therefore, because my vines grew over into your yard, yeah, that's Kilayim, but I owe you money for damages. Fine. That's Reb Meir. Reb Yosef, Reb Shimon Omrim, Tapa Pegimel on the base. And we're going to go to the end of the parakamirs. No. And this is a brilliant sophisticated, only in halacha type of idea. How is that possible? That if my vines are hanging over in your yard, how is it possible in lumdus that that is not kilayim? They grew together, right? They are all intertwined, whatever it means to grow together. They grew one, two hundredth, and whatever the diyun is, halacha says, no, it doesn't work that way. I'm not allowed to forbid that which is not mine. So these are big, big, big lumbas to be had over here. Big, there's small toasts over here. That just... your promise in someone else's yard that they don't even know. But there, but there you, that's great. But there you have, you have to be, make a Kenyan. That's an Adam Chavan what's the language? You can't put that in my yard because it's to my detriment. You can't because I don't want to be, be Kona. But here we're not talking about Kenyan. It's growing together. Metzias, it's kilayim. It's not about kinyanim. It could be that what you're saying is true. I'm just shooting from the cuff. How could you be out for something that somebody else did? But Misa, they grew together. They're kilayim. 
But I understand it's not you can do it in the first place. So then say say that I'm Chayav Make me pay for it. But don't say it's not Kilayim. It's Kilayim. Okay. If you have wool and linen together, it's wool and linen together. Who cares if it grew in my yard or your yard? It's still wool and linen. So here we have Kilayim. It's a Masakech Gefanu al us. Okay, but it's Kilayim. It's not about Kinyanim. It's Kilayim. So I'm just saying, there's lambdas here. There's a, there's what to be discussed here, but we're not going to discuss it now because I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that it's a very lambdasha idea that it's possible to have kilaim grow and to say that it's not kilaim because I can't hurt your, I'm not allowed. That's a fascinating idea. Okay. Now we had said that Rav holds like Rav Yossi in regards to two cases. Rav holds like Yossi in regard, Rav holds like Rav Yossi in regards to Androgynous and Harkava. And we said that Shmuel holds like him in regards to two other cases of Koshi and Kiddush, the case of the childbirth blood prior to childbirth, and in regards to the what was the last case of Kilayakar. What about the crisscrossing of those shitas? Does Rav hold like Shmuel in the two cases that he holds like Rav Yossi? And does Shmuel hold like Rav, where Rav holds like Rav Yossi? So the Gemara says on the top line of Pegim Alamed Bezi, Androgynous, Mali Amar Shmuel. What does Shmuel say in regards to Androgynous? Toshma, Amar Shmuel, the Rav Anon, Leisa Lebraisa, Mekame Masnisa. The Braisa is not as strong, which means that Shmuel by Androgynous must therefore hold like our Mishnah. That is Lamaisa, because we saw that on the previous page. We saw that on the top of the previous page when we were trying to be done what Rav and Shmuel actually held. So that's perfect. The Gemara says, Harkava Mali Amar Shmuel. Harkava Rav says, We hold like Rabbi What does Shmuel say about Harkava? Toshma, to Amar Leir Shmuel, Rav Onan. Uh, I disagree with him. I hold like Rav Yehuda that it only takes three days. For, for uh, seeds to take root. And therefore, when adding in Tosefes, the limitations on planting are 33 days, which is Rabbi Yehuda Shita, and not the Shita of Rabbi Yossi that Rav holds like. And therefore, Shmuel and Rav disagree in regards to Harkava. Koshi Mali Amar Rav, what would Rav say in regards to the parameters of how we measure the bleeding that takes place right before birth? We saw 40 and 50 days. We saw that month and we saw Shtei Shabbosos, Teku. We have seemingly... No reference to Rav ever having given shear on such a topic. Right? That's very strange. How could Rav not have given a psak on that? How could Rav not have paskened on a case of Zava that happens with every woman under the sun? Everybody sees blood before they give birth. That's how a woman becomes Anita prior to birth. Okay, but either way, the Gemara says that Rav never gave shear on that. Kiddush, Mali Amar Rav, let's go to Shmuel's Shittas. Because Shmuel had said that we hold like Rav Yossi in regards to Kiddush. How does Rav hold? Amar Rav Yosef, Toshma, to Amar Rav Huna Amar Rav, Ein Halacha Ki Rav Yossi. We don't hold like Rav Yossi. Amar Le'abai, Mai Chazis Tesam Chesaha. It's very nice that you brought this b'risa that says the Halacha is not, not like Rav Yossi, but maybe Smochaha. Maybe we should quote another line of Rav that says, Amar Rav Adabar, Amar Rav Halacha Ki Rav Yossi. So we have two b'risas. Uh, two, not two prices, two mamras, two statements of Rav, one seemingly saying we don't hold like Rav Yossi, and one seemingly saying that we do hold like him. The reason why, says the Gemara, is Amre Be Rav Manu, who is Be Rav Ravuna? The Ravuna Amar Ein Halacha, because Ravuna always paskins like Rav, and therefore, because Rav Huna was the, you know, Amre uh, Am Ravuna Amar Rav, he was a Talmud of Rav, so therefore he has all of his Shitas Klor, and therefore we know that Rav does not hold like Ravuna. 
sorry, that Rav does not hold like Rabbi Yossi. That brings us uh, to the end of the sugya of Androganus. And now we're going to be discussing a tumtum, as discussed a number of times, but for the sake of clarity, a tumtum is someone who at birth has a layer of skin covering over their genitalia. We don't know what gender they are. They can still urinate. There's still a urethra. There's still an opening for urine to come out of. But due to the way things are presented, it's impossible to tell. I've shared this story before. My colleague said, Mazel tov, it's a girl. And then a couple of hours later, he said, the bris is going to be next Tuesday. They looked, they thought they were wrong. They were wrong. They thought it was a girl. They, didn't, they weren't looking closely. And when they looked more closely and they started palpating, they saw the baby was very, very fat. It wasn't actually a tumtum. The baby was just very fat. This is a clinical thing. It's actually called concealed penis or buried penis, where you literally cannot see anything. You can't see anything that doesn't look like a boy at all. It just looks like a lot of peripubic fat. And therefore, they didn't know. They called it a, called it a girl. That's incorrect. Fine. Sometimes they need surgery on those cases because if the anatomy can't protrude, they do liposuction and the peripubic fat to make sure the anatomy can protrude. They stitch down the base or so whatever. Getting a little out of the scope here. So, uh, okay. So that tum-tum here that we're talking about is covered with a layer of skin. Amar Avami, my avi le-rabi this tumtum who lived in the city of Beiri, they sat him down on a chair, the ikra, and they opened up whatever skin was covering. And he had seven kids. So Rabbi Huda doesn't mince words. Rabbi Huda, before you get all confident that this guy is really fertile, uh, let's just double check the DNA test because it's not so clear that he should be fertile. Uh, now that's the sheet of Rabbi Huda, very strong. Tanya, the, but the Bryce says, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda, Omer, tum tum lo yachlos, shema yikra, benim sasri Now we have to analyze this line. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda says that a tum tum should not do chalitza. Why? Because when they open the skin to find out what his actual gender is, says the Gemara, Atu called the Mikra Zachar Habe. It could have been a woman. So why are you saying it's Risk Hama? Says the Gemara, you're right, 100%. Uh, says the Gemara, Hachi Kamar, Shema Yikra Benim Senekeva, in which case, of course, she can't do Chalitza to somebody else. She's a she. You have to be a he to do Chalitza. So if it's a woman, for sure there's no Chalitza. And uh, So my benai, what's the difference in Rabbi Huda, who is very stark that this person cannot have children? And Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda, says that uh, it might be a man, it might be a woman. The difference would be how we view the tumtum legabe, let's say that one of the brothers was a tumtum. For, Yiv- for Yibum purposes. So Ruvain died. Shimon is a tumtum. Levi and Yehuda are regular healthy brothers. So what do we say about that? would be the difference between these two shitas. Rabbi Yehuda won't even hear of it. Nothing. It's a zero. And Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda is willing to entertain it. Might be a boy. And uh, says the Gemara as well, would there be chalitza when there is only him? If he's the only brother, if he's the only Yavam, is this person who's a tumtum, those are the cases that are ikabe <clears throat> So we had mentioned the case of Bia Bishtemakomos in regards to androgynous, that it could be that there is skila if a man were to be intimate with an androgynous, either Bitsad Nakvus with the female genitalia or Meachora to have Tashmashamita Bia Shalokadarka. So let's get back into this sugya. We're halfway down on Pigyam Lamid Base. Amar of Shmuel Bar Yehuda Amar Abba, Achva, the Rabbi Yehuda Bar Zavda, Amar of Yehuda Amar Rav. Okay, this went for many generations. And basically, the source of all of this was a shear from Rav. Androgynous, if a man is intimate with an androgynous in either place, either or uh, 
Says the Gemara, not so simple. Mesve, the Brysa writes in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, Omar and Jogenes, No, that's not true. If they, had, according to Rabbi Eliezer, if there's Bia, Bitzad Nakvus, but that's not Skila. It's Aser, but it's not Skila. The only time that there is an Iser of Skila, says Rabbi Eliezer, is when a Skila Kizachar, how two men would be intimate, which is Biashalok Kedarka. And says the Gemara, that's only with Biashalok Kedarka. But for the female genitalia of this androgynous putter, that would not be a Skila. Says the Gemara, how do we answer this seeming contradiction? We have the statement of Rav that says, We have Rabbi Eliezer who says, No, it's only Skila Kizachar. The Gemara says, Rav, who says that an androgynous is Chayav and Al Skila, that's Kiaitana Detainer of Simoy Omer, androgynous Chayav and Al Skila, So Rav was really paskining a Shaila. There's a Machlokas Rav Simoy and Rabbi Eliezer. Rav Simoy was of the opinion that a man who is intimate with an androgynous, either Bitsad Nakhlus or Rabbi Eliezer says, no, only Kizachar. Only if a man is intimate with an androgynous Bitsad Zachrus Shelo, Bishelo Kedarka. So that's when they'd be, uh, that's when they'd be Chayev Skila. So that's the Machlokas. My time at Rav Simoy. And if you want to talk about a way to misunderstand the Pasuk and Chumash, please pay attention because we never would have thought that this was shot in the Pasuk without this Gemara. Says the Gemara, my time at Rav Simoy. Why does Rav Simoy hold that if a man sleeps with an androgynous, b'tzad nakfus and b'tzad zachros, that you be chayef skila? Says the Gemara, state in Chumash. It's not, it's not even complicated. Says the Gemara, Amar Rava, Baram Duri explain. it was explained to me, a man should not lie with the sleepings of a woman. Who is a man? Who has the possibility for two forms of Tashmish Amita Omer is androgynous? The Pasuk and Chumash is not talking about routine homosexuality between one physically normal male and another physically normal male. That's not what the Pasuk is talking about. It's Mishkevei Isha in the plural. The Pasuk is talking about an androgynous. Unbelievable. And it's it's right there. It's Mishkevei. Why didn't it say Mishkevisha? It's right there. It's, it's just black on white. It's so clear what's happening. How then could anyone learn the Pesukim otherwise? If Mishkaveh is plural, and therefore the skila of Tash Mishamita must be with someone who has both Tzad Nakbus and Tzad Zachrus. So then how can it be that anyone learns otherwise? You're right, the word Mishkaveh is there. It teaches us that the Pasuk speaking about someone who has two different orifices for Tashmit, but it's still S. Zachar, see, the Pasuk still says Zachar. So then if you look back at the Pasuk, there's two layers. S. Zachar, that's how we know that a man cannot sleep with another man. That's how we know that a man cannot sleep with an androgynous, either B'Sad Nakbus Shabo or B'Sad Zachar Shabo. How do you know uh, how do you know the other sheet? How would they know that a man alone is allowed to do that? Me, this is actually a, 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 a girsa issue. It should be me s because the pasuk says s zachar ve s zachar lo The word s teaches us according to the sheet of Rav Simoy that is talking about a man. How do we know that if a man is intimate with a woman shalokadarka that that's also called tashmishamita? Me ve s. It should be from the beginning of that pasuk ve s. So the vav is darshan. The word s is darshan. The word zachar is darshan. The word mishkeve is darshan. Not everyone agrees 
Not everyone agrees that a, uh, an androgynous is a zachar ma'alyot, that is a male across the board. Not everybody agrees. How do we know? Shema ta'omer kein, had you said that, bimukdashin yikadesh, then there should have been a case scenario with certain animals that they should have been sanctified, but it's not the case. What is this talking about? Says the Gemara, minolan delokidesh, because the tanarabanan. If you have a chicken, we're talking about birds now. If you have a chicken, hanirba, one who was had Tashma Shemitah with this animal, Behamukta, one that was set aside, Behanebad, a chicken that served Avodazara, Behesnan, a chicken that was given to a woman for prostitution, Umachir, a chicken that was swapped out for a dog, Betumtum Androganus, according to the Tanakama, Betamin Begadim Abes Hablia. It's a unique din that really only applies by birds. Normally, when we touch something, it makes us tummy, but by chickens, by oaf, that when we swallow it, it makes our clothes tummy, only by achila, but not by the touching. So it says the Gemara, the Tanakhama says that all of these scenarios, inclusive of tumtum and androgynous, causes for tumma. But Rabbi Eliezer Omer, no, tumtum androgynous, in the time and begadam that's not correct. These two cases are excluded, they're not treated. Uh, as normal uh, uh, tuma issues for the birds. When the Pasuk and Chumash distinguishes between the genders of an animal, that's when you remove them. But By the way, interesting that the Chumash doesn't distinguish between the genders of, of birds. And therefore, all of them are treated. It's not the case. We know that some of them have eggs and some of them don't. That's why the eggs that we eat are unfertilized eggs because they're all female. And the whole lighting system to make them ovulate more quickly to pump out the eggs, great. But there's none of them ever have chicks in them. I was given as a gift. I did. A, I met this uh, midwife in the middle of Wisconsin. She was going to refer me to all of her people. Great. She sent me home with two things of raw eggs, every last one of them filled with blood, every last one of them. She gave me two dozen. Every one of them had blood in them. Why? Because there weren't only female chicks, they were growing chicks inside of them, which halachically speaking, if there's no blood at this phase, it's mutter, it's mutter, it's not flesh, but it's still problematic. Still, obviously, we don't. So I just did them all. And they're all different colors too. Okay. So the Gemara says that in regards to birds, and therefore what we see, we can see from here that it's really, tumtum and androgynous is not really treated as a zachar proper. We learned this already. We learned this idea before. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, that these types of uh, foods, kilayim, and a trefa, that's yotzei dofen, a tumtum androgynous, lo kedushin, below makachin. What is this talking about? Amar Shmuel, lo kedushin bitmura, below makachin, beoset mura, in regards to swapping out the quality and cost, or halachic cost, I should say really just halachajat, the, the status of kedusha in regards to tamura. So these things don't apply to tumtum and androgynous because they're not uh, the routine shmamino. Last little sugya, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer Chayev, and I love skila kezachar. Tanya, Omer, Omer, Rebbe, Omer Rebbe, sorry, blank for a second there. Omer, Shalach, Lilum, Motorah, Eitzel, Rebbe Lozer, Ben Shamua. When Rebbe went to go learn halacha by Rebbe Lozer, Ben Shamua, all of the students came around him. Rabbi Lazar ben Shamuah's Talmidim came around Rabbi. Like the Tarnagolim in the place of Beis Bukya. Rashi, toward the end of the parak, last one before the end of the parak, Shal Beis Bukya. Bekim v'charifin. Vein manichin Tarnagol nachri benem. Superstar. They would not allow the Tarnagolas, a Tarnagol who was a nachri, which came from a nachri, to hang out with them. 
So like the term, like the Tarnagoma base bookya, these were the Tamidim and Rabbi Lazar ben Shamua treating Rebbe this way. We have to make sure you're the right person. And says the Gemara, part of the uh, the welcome uh, test was to make sure that they all taught me one sugya. That is a warm entry into this discussion of this base medrash. This is a big shy there. Why was what's going on here? It's Rebbe. So he was younger, they weren't sure what his motivations are. So there's a Mepharshim discussed a whole bunch of different things here, but that is why uh, they kept uh, teaching him this one Mishnah, Rebbe Lezer Omer, Androgenes Chayev and Lovskila Kezachar. Hadron Allah Haral Baruch Hashem, he finished another parak. The Ratzim should join together again in seven and a half years to learn this yet again. Wishing you all a beautiful night.